Is this art good? Hello, everyone. It's Is This Art Good? Hi. It's This Art Is Good. <laughs> uh, we better not uh, talk very excitedly other no i don't want to start it like that that sucks we opened uh we opened this podcast up originally we we deleted that opening already but it started with a lot of butt plug talk and we just didn't (laughs) feel that that was appropriate this is still butt plug talk well a little but you know it's tangential we thought that we'd open up you know this is a very serious movie we thought we'd open up the discussion with just kind of a very somber tone right um so here we are uh yes it's uh is this art good Welcome to Is This Art Good? I, I'm Welcome. too, I'm too, I've got our introduction too ingrained inside of me. Oof. Ingrained? Don't like that descriptor. Ingrained inside of me. Yeah, like if I, like a, I'm like pressure treated wood. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all green <laughs> and if I, if you get a splinter from me, you get poisoned. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, it's like actually the thing with pressure treated wood, like if you get a sliver from those, you gotta get them pulled out pretty quickly because it can whatever they treat the wood with like is not it's harmful that's that's fucked up yeah but it lasts longer <laughs> so it's like you know good for decks right 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 you know the stuff that kids run on with bare feet yeah good for your deck stat yeah our home yeah our home uh <laughs> in tweed had had a pressure treated deck but mom kept it painted so that was i mean even still you can get a sliver from from paint painted deck but. oh i think i got like a paint chip in my foot at least once yeah, it's not a good time. Anyway, no. what are we reviewing today, Alphonse, my good dear friend? Well, speaking of childhood and and homes, uh, we're reviewing Parasite, which is a movie about a household, about a home, in a sense. Yeah. About a couple of children in their home and uh, their parents, yeah. who also live in the home, and some other people who also live in the home. Plot twist. Pl- spoilers. We will spoil this. Yeah, we're going to spoil everything. There's other people in the house. Yep. <laughs> yep. This this movie cost caused like let's say a, a ruckus, a little bit of an upset in like the awards season. And I don't know if uh people thought that it would it was snubbed or people thought that it got too many awards. I don't really know what the situation was because I didn't look into it cuz I was just like I should probably see that. I think it might have been like the first time or one of the rare occasions that like a foreign film or like a foreign language film Mm -hmm. won like best picture. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's very cool. Um, But really, I had no idea what to think about it. If someone, you know, if you see kind of the cover and you just see the word parasite, like I think it, I thought it was a horror film and it's really not a horror film. It's, it's very much like a dark drama. Yeah. It's like a thriller suspense. Yeah, with kind of a, a more brutal climax mm-hmm. towards the end. I would say like this is like the line between horror and suspense for me. Okay. This this is like exactly where I would draw that line where I'm like, this is a suspense movie with like a lot of horror elements, but it's like still not horror-y enough to be a horror movie to me. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't... Um... Something to me that's really important with horror is like fear of the unknown or just like it always, you know, in in a serial killer movie, you know, something's there. You don't know what it is a lot of the time. And then it reveals itself to you. Um, Yeah. Or like in a paranormal movie, like it's very similar, like there's some force in this case. It's actually that, you know, it's it's entirely unknown. 
you know, until until the very end. Um, yeah, it's 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 very strange. This this one. Yeah, I think that's why I would say it's like mostly a suspense because like a lot of the suspense doesn't even come from the basement situation like that is that's sort of I guess that's sort of like where we get into the real the real meat of the movie um, up until then there's sort of a suspense of like seeing this family uh, you know act and like uh, play their part in this rich family's life as a way to like get in there and benefit off of it yeah but like the real difficulties the conflict in the film comes about when they discover that there is someone living in the basement and uh i I guess we should we should start off from the beginning more yeah i mean you what you said was was kind of a, a good a good starting point for what i wanted to say about the opening anyway like the way that the film opens it's very quiet. You know, it shows these streets that are that are pretty bare and yeah. the family in the basement and this kind of like dark brooding tone of the opening. See, it like set a precedent for me for what the film was mm-hmm. going to be like. But then and I think this is actually very much a horror movie uh, trope is that like any time there was a moment of lightheartedness, I actually tensed up waiting for something else bad to happen. Yeah. Like when uh, Kevin is being shown around the house by the Tudor mother. And I have to apologize off the bat. Like, I can't remember most of these people's names because. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, we would probably fuck it up. Ruin the pronunciation as well. Yeah. So we're, I'm just going to say Kevin for the main kid and then just the roles of other people, you know, the Tudor yeah, mom, yeah. the Tudor dad, and then Kevin's mom, Kevin's dad, etc. Anyway, when the Tudor mom is like showing Kevin around the house, it's like, oh, look at this cool like artwork. Look at like, oh, we bought this house. There was this architect and blah, blah, blah. And it like gives all of this history in a very like lighthearted conversational way. And yeah, that that made me tense up and be like, what's going to happen right now? Not later, but like something is about to right, right. spring forward or something, which is kind of an odd feeling to have during a moment of lightheartedness. I feel like that's something that I notice in like, quite a few uh korean films that i've seen like i haven't seen a ton but i've seen like train to busan and uh old boy train to busan's a good example yeah and it it's like it's this feeling and i I think it's like a way of pacing suspense where there's often like a joke and then it will like lead into something suspenseful Mm -hmm. or vice versa like the the tension might be cut by like some kind of weird joke and, and at times like that line is also blurred like um when the family lets the old housekeeper in and she's like trying to push the uh the like shelf that has all the pickled vegetables and everything in it in the basement yeah and she's like kind of crouched uh like between the the wall the bookcase and the wall and like that's both like funny looking, but also like terrifying the way that it like harshly cuts to that visual because you're just like a person shouldn't be there. No. And then, well, and the kid does that again later on as well. But then the way that the housekeeper falls down. Yeah. When the mom moves the fucking the pan or whatever was underneath it is just like, oh, it's so sudden because it's this like, oh, it's obvious. This is very it's very heavy and it's very hard to move. And she's like pushing with all of her might for a long time. So the shot stays there. And then it's just like slip, boom, bang, fuck. And yeah, it was, it was very, very, it's very visceral. Visceral is a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I thought that that like any time there was that moment of of peace or tranquility, uh, actually felt the opposite, which is kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, it's it's like you know that that moment of peace is like only going to lead to like worse shit down the line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's like a moment where Kevin uh, kisses like the daughter of the the fancy household, mm-hmm. and. I don't know. I I watch that and I'm like, oh, this is the fucking worst. Like something terrible is going to come of this. And weirdly enough, nothing really comes of like their relationship as like a source of drama or tragedy. It's just kind of there and weird and feels bad. It does feel bad. It's I thought it was interesting when Min shows up. Min has a very, very small role in this, but they paint him as a really like charismatic character who really cares about yeah. his family like he shows up he tells the the drunk pisser guy to fuck off he's like get out of here you fucking stupid piece of shit and then he brings this <laughs> rock in and he's like hey here's this cool rock okay come here kevin i want to talk to you about something and he's like so hey do you want to you could tell that like the relationship that these two friends had was very it was like a real friendship and yeah i yeah. really appreciated how well that was portrayed in such a short scene yeah yeah that that sh- like that scene of them drinking together at like the corner mm-hmm. is very like their body language is just so on point. The The actors really make it work. Yeah, definitely. You know, and then that's kind of the thing where Kevin betrays that by obviously yeah. going against, you know, not just his friend's expectations, but what his friend specifically asked of him. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want you to take this over because I really like this girl, and which is still weird. Um, yeah. And then Kevin, like later on, rips his line directly. Like as soon as she enters university, I'm going to ask her out. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's this thing of like the movie pretty much paints everybody but the protagonist in a pretty positive light. And then it makes this family, the four protagonists, like seem truly rotten to the core. The the poor family? Yeah. Yeah. The, the I, I'm calling them the protagonists, like even though they're not. So... Yeah, this is a weird thing where I I think that the family is like they're decently good people. But then like, you know, this movie is supposed to be like an allegory for classism and capitalism to a degree. And I I think that the family at times I felt maybe they were a bit too they had too many traits that were like unlikable because I, I feel like in this story you want to root for like the poor family. Right. Yeah. But I at times found that hard for the most part i think it like anything that they do that could be seen as like deceitful it's like an act against the rich family and i think that that's pretty fair like i totally understand where the characters are coming from yeah but then it's like yeah like the moment with kevin his whole like thing of like kind of betraying his friend like that's really where that's where you draw the line Yeah. And I I wonder if like maybe it's a sign that like, you know, he has that dream of being like successful and everything later. And I wonder if that's supposed to be like, oh, he's the kind of person who will rise like class wise and then not help anyone below him. Right. It's kind of this like cyclical thing. Yeah. You know, it's cool to be rooting for the family because they're like the first ones that we see and we see the particular kind of poverty that they're living in. Like he he mm-hmm. lets the fumig like the fumigation 
just like waft into their house because it was like, hey, I hate these fucking bugs. Let's just, it's free. It's free, you know, yeah, pesticide, yeah. no problem. And so that's like a very, yeah, unique view on something that we don't get to see very often. It seems very real life. Yeah. And I, I think there's a lot of allegory in that as well. Like just the the pesticide thing, like the dad is clearly kind of just okay with living in this situation. He's the only one who isn't like, really like coughing he's sticking to his work while yeah, he yeah is breathing in pesticides it probably means that you know he's been he's been there before sort of yeah thing, yeah you know which he's is like hardened by it yeah exactly um so there's also we mentioned men showing up and giving them the the rock as he called the called it yeah the scholar's stone yes um so he they mentioned that that's like a uh, it's like a charm to help you have like upward social momentum, like get more money yeah. and everything. And I think that this like this, it, it's kind of great that like Min comes and gives them this rock, which like serves as the metaphor for this. But he also provides them with the opportunity that allows them to like get more money and everything. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the the rock is like okay, this is an artifact that sets off an adventure, right? Yeah. But then really, the rock is nothing. And every time it goes back to the rock, you think it's going to have some sort of significance. Like, it's not it's not fantastical or magical in any way. It's not, like, mm-hmm. identified as that. Like, it's very this, It's very superstitious, you know? Yeah. Um, but then it, the rock becomes more of a, pardon the pun, more of a concrete device. <laughs> Yeah. In in like the actual execution of the climax. Yeah. You know, in actually carrying out some of the things that that happened at the end, the rock becomes more uh, obvious. Well, yeah, because Kevin, Kevin basically weaponizes or attempts to weaponize his need for like social upward momentum. Yeah. I I mean, I thought he was going to kill the pisser with the rock. The the pisser, the (laughs) yeah, the the basement dweller, the drunk, no, the drunk pisser outside. Because there's, oh, one, right, there's right. one point later on where uh, he shows up, he's taking a piss, and Kevin's like, man, he grabs the rock and goes outside. But then it actually just shows him leaving. It doesn't show him yeah, accosting the pisser. Right, right. Good song title. Yeah. Accosting the pisser. <laughs> Powerful. Yeah. 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 No, I was, uh, that's a good point. I was referring more to the um, the fact that he takes it uh, to the basement he takes it to the house and yeah, is like yeah. going to use it that's his like plan to get rid of the the basement dwellers as it were right he rescues it he rescues it from their flooded apartment and then brings it back to the rich house yeah and i, I yeah. think it's interesting to note that like in that he's using it there or he's trying to use it there and he thinks about using it on the pisser he is only like weaponizing it against like fellow disadvantaged people right yeah yeah which is a very interesting thing it's like you know doggy dog basically yeah well and i mean i think that's the whole allegory that's set up with the like guy in the basement and the the old housekeeper is like they are supposed to represent how like the situation of the rich folk the house Mm -hmm. sets up like less advantaged people to fight each other to gain like right. wealth. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, a metaphor for a larger, a larger scale 
problem in society. Yeah, yeah. Which is very clear, but it's never ham-handed. Yeah, it's it's like a it feels very clear as a metaphor. Like you can look at the whole situation and be like, oh, right, I get why this means it. But yeah. nothing in the script ever like tells you about it. There's no lines of dialogue where it's like, this is how things are for us. Exactly. And you don't even see like the one one shot that you do see of the father, the tutor father at his work is when Kevin's dad goes for like his interview to become the driver, right? Yeah. It's like the only, it's like, and it doesn't even matter. It's like, this is like nondescript office. Yeah, yeah. Company, like tech office, it seems like, which is like, that's totally fine. Um, you so you mentioned Min coming and Min being the uh, the one who gives them the rock, but also the starting off, the setting off point for basically all of their opportunity. And so it's there's kind of an irony there. Yeah. Right. And my my biggest question, which was also my biggest problem with this movie was that I don't know enough about Korean culture to know how valuable someone's word is. Because basically, what we know is like the tutor, the rich people really like Min. They think he's a great tutor. Yeah. And he's like, I'm leaving. I can recommend another tutor. So they get Kevin. And then Kevin goes, I know this person who knows this person who can help your son. Right. Right. And then that person goes, oh, your driver. Oh, you know, I have this blah, blah, blah driver thing. And then their dad gets hired and then brings the mom on. And it's like. Every time they hire somebody new. Yeah. Someone else comes into their life or something goes wrong. Right. And so it's like that was a problem for me where like I feel like you would never see that in a Western film. Because people don't trust people like that here. Right, right. You know? And so I just don't know if that was supposed to be like the implied like social order of things that like you're you're worth as much as your word. I, I think it's semi just justified in that like uh you know, Min is leaving. So like he is is like, sorry, I gotta quit. So it's like not really that weird to bring in a new guy who's like his recommendation or whatever. That seems normal. Right. And then like it it does get like more and more far fetched as it goes on. Right. But they bring in the the daughter, you know, like, oh, the art tutor for your kid. Yeah. And I think that that's also reasonable because the kid doesn't seem to have any like, you know, any tutor of his own when clearly he needs it. And so I'm like, OK, that's like a role they were probably going to fill at some point. Right. In this kid's life. And then like she sets up the driver to be like this like weird pervert drug addict as the as the fucking rich family assumes he is yeah then like they have to bring on a driver and that the fact that they like eliminate someone rather than just be like oh do you need a driver like makes it a little more sensible to me and then he like they keep up a further level of of abstraction where the driver is just like oh yeah i heard about this company Right. Yeah. And overall, like, I do think that it's like somewhat far fetched still, but I think it it almost has this like allegorical uh, folk tale kind of feel to it that I can kind of it kind of does. I kind of enjoyed about it like it. That whole section of the film is very rhythmic. Like it. Yeah. Follows the same like person goes in, talks to them, then establishes another person fucks over a person 
their new family member gets brought in. Right. You describe the different levels of abstraction. I think that is helpful to me. Um, but it doesn't, to me at least, it didn't do a great job at conveying like how long there is between each new hire. Right. And it seems very, very quick. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, you know, if it was like, okay, Kevin comes on and then it shows pretty much like the first conversation, mom's like, yeah, there's something wrong with our son, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he's like, well, have you thought about getting a tutor for him or like having, you know, I know this person. That's like the first meeting more or less, first mm-hmm. or second, which is like they're doing it three times a week for two hours. So that's, you know, within a week of knowing the person. But then yeah, after that, it doesn't show when the daughter comes, it doesn't show you know, has it been a couple of weeks? Has it been a month that she's been working with the son? Has it been longer than that? And and the pacing, the like folktale pacing that you're describing makes it seem like really, really quick, which puts yeah. more of like a question mark to me as to why they're they're moving so quickly to get these new people. Um, right. So so like maybe if there had been a clearer conveyance of time, maybe a um, like a half faded in. Uh, calendar calendar flipping. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. Actually, so um, one mechanic that I really like just in movies in general, they use it a lot in heist movies, is like mm. when you're seeing the conspiracy happen as yeah, they're yeah, doing yeah. it. Okay, so here's the plan. Yeah, the Lego movie bam, is like bam, the bam, excellent, bam, like bam, Lego movie, jump, jump. Ocean's Eleven does it. Yeah, yeah. No, I do love that shit. It's a very good mechanic. And so that's that's something that like, okay, it's clear that they're giving it enough time. They're rehearsing. And maybe that's what it's supposed to be. Like is sort of the passage of time in between. Like they're rehearsing. Yeah. That's kind of how I read it. They're writing out whole scenes. You know, it shows like yeah. the daughter or the son responding back to uh, the driver dad. Driver dad. Driver dad. <laughs> when uh, <laughs> Also a good song name. Yeah. Good band name. Driver dad. <laughs> is it is it drive apostrophe er dad maybe maybe that's the song all right that's the album drive her dad by driver dad (laughs) driver dad i barely know her or him or her dad (laughs) this isn't good no anyway yeah so it it does it does kind of show that i guess i was just thinking at the time of watching it, I was thinking that the, the timing, passage of time wasn't very clear. Right, right. And I still don't think it is, but yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Do we want to talk about they, they've they totally taken over the house, basically. I, I really like how Jessica, you know, the, the poor family daughter, she mm-hmm. really just like she's very smart, very clearly. Yes. And like she bullshits the the rich mom so well about their kid like oh yeah this is the schizophrenia zone yeah exactly well and you know what that's that's another thing it does say min says that the mom is young and simple right yeah and so the fact that like she's stay at home like housewife to a rich husband who just works all day long she's kind of responsible for hiring people to raise the kids hiring the housekeeper like that is her domain yeah and yeah, so I think that that kind of also makes the, uh, you know, makes the ruse go over a little bit more smoothly because she doesn't fucking know what schizophrenia is. She doesn't know about art. She's like, 
I love what he's drawn. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I, I look at that picture every time I eat dinner. What do you mean that's the schizophrenia zone? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, see, it's the same shape every time. Well, and it's it's a very classic, like, um, you know, you see it in, like, cults. You see it in, like, pyramid schemes. Like, it's the idea of, like, scaring the person and then providing yeah. a solution. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Scientology. It's, man. uh, yeah. Get a get a clear representation of your kid's psyche on the wall there. <laughs> yeah, there's also like I, I'm not sure what I make of it, but I wanted to like touch on like there's almost an angle of commercializing like Native Americans with the kid. Yeah, that's a little bit weird. There's uh you know, they're in the bushes later on during the birthday party. Yeah. The dad the dad and driver dad. Tutor dad and driver dad. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, okay, we're going to jump. We're going to, we've got like headdresses on and everything. It's weird. Yeah, no, like, and, and I, uh, there's also the part where he's camping out on the front lawn mm-hmm. in the, in the teepee, the, the little teepee tent. plastic, yeah. probably teepee. And <laughs> they mention that it's not going to leak, uh, because it's from the U S and I wonder if that's like also a sign of like rich family is like importing their toys and stuff like from the U S yeah, that's that's probably like, you know, we would say, oh, this tent fucking leaks. It's made in China like it's some cheap plastic <laughs> bullshit. But they're like, oh, no, no, it's from the U.S. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and more so like the U.S. is not a huge export country, especially for like toys and stuff, you know? Right. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's true. That's a weird thing. But so say more about like the commercialization of that native culture. It's. See, it's not something that I feel I wanted to mention it because, like, I think it's interesting. I don't know how intentional it is because, like, I don't know how much of an issue, you know, just like the unfair treatment of Native peoples is to the director of this. Like, I don't know how much he cares about, like, you know, Native people over in another continent. Right. Or knows about it. But it seems it seems kind of like. I don't know. It seems prominent enough that I wonder if he does know or care about it. Right. It's it's certainly not a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory level of uh, <laughs> racism. Yeah. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. What a comparison. Hello, folks. Today on Is This Art Good? We are going to be comparing Parasite and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Two very different movies, you might think, but you'd be wrong. You would be wrong. They've got people in the basement. <laughs> Yep, just like Willy Wonka. Is there chocolate? And we're not talking about the Oompa Loompas. No, it's the kids. <laughs> the five kids. It's the kids. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that is that is an interesting uh, observation, I guess, that I kind of made a small note about, but I didn't really have any real thoughts about it. So good, good that right, we right. mentioned it at least. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to mention the basement, the doorway to the basement looks like a fucking hell portal. Oh, man. Like, it is in the center of this, like, super brightly lit wall full of, like, you know, vases and all this, like, fancy, fragile bullshit. Mm -hmm. And then it's just this, like, black rectangle that's, like, super ominous. Yeah. Well, it's it's like a fucking fallout shelter or, like, a, a panic room, right? Like, it's designed, presumably, when he went down there, when, uh, basement dad went down there... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you following folks? It's Tudor Dad, Driver Dad, and Basement Dad. 
Well, he's he's not a dad. He's just a basement dweller. We don't know if they if they have kids or not. I I guess, but she's it's not, not like, established that he has kids. Well, she's not like he's been living down here for four years. We don't have children. <laughs> Did you, were you watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and you were like, you know, Charlie is is my favorite kid dad. And I'm like, oh, he doesn't have kids. They don't show that. And you're like, he might. You don't know. Dude, he's not even fucking old enough to have kids. <laughs> you can tell. Well, I mean, it's implicated that I, I would say it's it's fairly implied by the situation that this guy doesn't have a kid. Fine. Fuck. <laughs> now it's tutor man, driver man and basement man. What? Why do they all have to have the same like last name? It's first name. Wait, what? You know, like that doesn't make any sense. It makes fucking sense. Listen to me. It's like you know, doctor, Mister, Master. These are all titles. Basement, driver, tutor. <laughs> And then they all just happen to have the same fucking name. Hi, I'm Basement Alphonse. <laughs> no, you're Second Floor Alphonse. I'm Basement Ball. Yeah, you are right here. Look, I I lived in a basement apartment for five years to earn my basement degree. See, that sounds right. Most people take the extra year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is this is my basement right here. It looks great. It's a nice little area. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. You look like a fucking YouTuber. You gotta post a picture of it. Okay. <laughs> want me to just screen cap my uh my microphone setup? Why don't you screen cap me? Because I'm not available to I'm too small on myself. Yeah, I'll do it. Supplemental material, folks. Make sure it's a square though, because Instagram um crops stuff. Oh, I got a really good picture of you kind of looking down you look a little sad i think so that's good well good yeah <laughs> well i i'm i'm not a youtube celebrity yet it's one of the only places our podcast isn't because we don't like video yeah because i'm a i'm a secret boy <laughs> yeah you're secret you're like secret. a metaphor i'm a metaphor i mean <laughs> secret okay we haven't talked Got about it. parasite in the last like 10 minutes it hasn't <laughs> been that long we were just saying look basement no. dad is dad <laughs> i all right all men either are dads or are potential dads. <laughs> All right. Am I wrong? You're not. <laughs> Real men are called granddad. What the fuck? Oh, the Uber dad. Well, okay. Okay. Do you want to go back? Do yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? It looks like that because it's clear that it's been built in as like a fallout shelter or a panic room or something. And presumably... Well, like, are you thinking of the one that's in the basement, the like behind the the shelf thing? Or are you thinking of like the kitchen entrance to the basement? Oh, I'm thinking of the the behind the shelf thing. You're saying just the basement itself. Yeah, because the, the kitchen, it has that wall that's like all brightly lit yeah, with yeah. like all the bullshit on the shelves. And then it just has this black square. It kind of like. It gives like the same impression of like 2001 A Space Odyssey, like the obelisk, because <laughs> yeah. like there's no lighting within it. It's just like this dark space that like when someone comes up from it, they just kind of emerge from it. We'll see. You can you can kind of chalk that up to like, oh, uh, the architect designed it that way because he thought that contrast is neat. Yeah, yeah. Because it was his house. He built it for himself. So he's just like, 
You're just making an observation. Yeah, it totally makes yeah. sense. It's just like it's ominous. And I right. I really like that because that's kind of where like all the worst shit in this movie comes from. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I do. I do want to talk about the bunker, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that um, Basement Dad, as we'll call him, uh, he kind of. <laughs> yeah, I fucking got you. We're in it now. Yeah, we're in it now. We're calling him Basement Dad, even though he has no kids. <sighs> Basement Lord. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm down with that. Basement Lord. I think that Basement Lord, you know, it's it's easy to assume that he probably ate the rations that were down there. You know, no rich person yeah. builds a bunker like that and doesn't put a bunch of ravioli down there or something. Oh, for sure. Uh, or or Ramdan, who, which sounded great. Combination of yeah. ramen and udon. Yeah, I'd fuck that up with some sirloin. I'm not. Is that what that is? Yeah, that's what they said. Well, it shows a pack, like a package of ramen noodles and a package of udon noodles before she cooks it. Oh, okay, okay. So that's a thing. But uh, yeah, so then you know, uh, why did we get onto that in the first place? I think I was just mentioning how I really like the look of it. I like the look of the whole house. Mm-hmm. Actually, like it's a very it's very sleek and modern and feels very like impersonal. Definitely. You you and you definitely get a good sense of how the house is laid out. As soon as Kevin goes there for the first time, there's like this tracking shot of him following the housekeeper through the house and yeah. it's like just like it's her, right? Following her from behind and going through a couple of different rooms and then out to the the mom. And then I think it does it again when he's walking around with the mom. And that's, yeah, you get a really good sense of this space, which is good because we're supposed to understand. We're supposed to feel like we're in the house with the family. Yeah, I think this movie did a really great job of like establishing that house. And like you, there's very few shots where you're like, I don't know where I'm looking at this thing from. Right. If I was put in that house and was watching the movie, I could probably walk over and be like, yeah, they had the camera about here, right? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, um, when it's storming and uh, Da Song is outside mm-hmm. in the teepee, it shows the parents looking out at him from the window, right? And then from the other side, from that window, it shows the parents on the couch, like laying down. And then it shows yeah. behind that the staircase in the kitchen. And that's a really, really good way to force the 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 list the listener. No, you people are the listeners. <laughs> I'm the watcher. Um, yeah. It's a really good way to to force the the viewer to understand the layout. Like obviously on that side of the table, there's nothing but this big window. And so obviously mm-hmm. on the other side of the table, it's the rest of the house. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, like that downstairs area is like very open and very yeah. like, like you can see into a good chunk of the kitchen from the li- from that like front living room shot. So I think they chose like a good house to use for this as well. Or built a good set. Right. Yeah, they probably had some scouters. What do they call them? Yeah, Seen? scouters. They they checked the power level of the house. The house, the power level was over 9,000, except on that one light bulb. It was a little bit low. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so let's talk about that, like, that bullshit. Him, like, headbutting okay. the light and everything. Yeah. So th- that's another allegorical thing that I really love, where it's like... You know, I don't know if this was intentional again, but 
it feels like it's like this guy is devoted to Mr. Park, you know, the rich husband. It does. He And he says he is. Yeah, yeah. He's like obsessed with him. He starts yelling respect. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very that's like see that guy is like the closest that this movie trends to like horror movie for me. Yes. And like he is like the horror movie creature in the basement. The like fucking eldritch monster in the basement. He's literally is that. Yeah. What I love is that he headbutts this light to turn them on as like the rich guy comes home and yeah. it's it's like he is hurting himself by headbutting this button basically he's working as a simple mechanic to facilitate the comfort the frivolous comfort of like a rich person that he's like devoted to yeah well and the rich people don't realize that it's not just a sensor like yeah it's he's literally nothing to them yeah, it's it's a very small piece that I think is an allegory that is like very powerful. Yeah. And they well, it's it, what it doesn't make clear is why he is tapping out Morse code or I think he's doing SOS at the end. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they're like, well, yeah, you know, we're old enough because of North Korea, North Korea and kind of just like the general general relationship is mentioned a couple of times very briefly. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, we're old enough. You know, Morse code because, you know, the war and, you know, just conflict right yeah totally okay yeah and and that and it just glosses over that yeah which i i thought was like interesting it's funny because i feel like they didn't have to say that probably for the korean audience exactly but it makes that like so much more understandable why morse code is like oh okay yeah we kind of like people generally know this or like older people know this right and it's well it's made clear because you assume Kevin knows it and his dad knows it and basement Lord says it to Kevin's dad about the kid, I think. Yeah. Or says it to his wife. I don't remember. But anyway, um, Tudor kid is also presumed to know it because he sees that flashing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's across generations. That's like three generations there. Yeah. Actually, there's a, there's a shot that I really like where the, rich mom is talking about uh da song's like childhood the the incident where he got scared Mm -hmm. and i like how that shot tracks from like her sitting at the table and kind of like points downwards and da song is sitting on the ground there eating the cake and then it like harsh cuts to nighttime and it's him alone in front of the fridge yeah and that's when you see the fucking basement dwellers like face show up uh just like rising just from the bottom of that like dark obelisk of an entranceway and it's fucking terrifying looking that is like that like fuck that i get it kid (laughs) man yeah but then the the best thing is that you get this element of you know children's horror movies where like well, the parents will never believe you. The parents always just think like oh that's just something you know why would mom ever be like yeah there's like a fucking ex, like the husband of an ex-employee of the original owner of this house living in like a fucking bunker. Like, that's so far-fetched. But also, it said it happened when he was six. So like what, we assume he's like maybe maybe 10 now? Yeah. Like 8, 10, you know? So it's still enough that it's it's fresh in his mind. But he wouldn't be old enough to even communicate that there was a man. Yeah, yeah. Mom hardly even knows, seems to know exactly what's wrong. He just had a seizure 
you know, which is like, you know, brought on by by an immense fear. And then that's the same thing that happens at the end when he sees the man. Mm hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, the this movie has this like element that I really enjoy in a lot of films where it's set in the real world and it is like realistic, but it is like realistic stretched to the like utmost ends. Yeah. Like, it is like the strangest thing that could happen in the world, but it does. It is like still realistic or at least like is like it's it's just pushing past the boundaries a little bit. It's still within the realm of like super distorted possibility. Yeah, like I, it doesn't even necessarily feel like you would watch it and you'd be like, oh, this is realistic. This could happen. But it's like just a step or two beyond. Oh, I could see this happening. Right. You know, and I, I find this in like um, in this in old boy and then also in like some Western films with like the voices or sorry to bother you. OK, sorry to bother you being like maybe four steps outside of reality. But uh, yeah, I, I really like that type of tone, like where you're like, I'm watching this and it feels real, but at any moment, this could probably just like do a 180 into some weird, weird, weird bullshit that isn't even realistic anymore. Right. Or like there, or it feels real for like 80% of it. And then there are just like, individual events that happen that are like oh wait what and then it comes back right and this one i think like i think for the most part the idea of a family like worming its way in and suckling off of you know a a rich well-to-do group or well-to-do family like that is pretty believable that like you could concoct and conspire to do that successfully oh yeah and and they clearly put in the work too. They convey that. They, yeah, it, it it makes it clear that like they are trying very hard to do this, and they don't. You know, it seems like the daughter comes by this, the ability to swindle pretty naturally. They yeah. that he's like you know when she forges the letter or the uh, degree for Kevin. Dad says, "Huh, like you, you could have a degree in forgery." Cool. And they, <laughs> I thought that line was great. And he's like, you know, we don't. Nobody bats an eyelash. And I think that that is kind of a commentary on their economic situation as well. Like, yeah, yeah. If you've got to cheat, then cheat. Yeah, yeah. Because it's how you get ahead. You know, we have been forced down by people and kept down. So if you have to cheat or swindle, then go ahead and cheat and swindle. Yeah, fuck them. And at first you're like, okay. But then very quickly you're like, oh, right. So the, the family is the parasite. The whole family is. I think that's an interesting title because like... You know, it could mean the family, but it could also mean the rich family, as in mm. like the rich people benefit off of like the larger population, you know? Okay. The rich people really are the ones who are like sucking the blood and the life out of the rest of society. You think? Yeah. I mean, they are, but do you yeah. think these rich people are that? I think that that theme gets more concretely like put down when. You know, it's it's very close to the end where it's it's right after the massive downpour that like washes out the whole, uh, you know, poor section of town that yeah. is literally like below the upper class, like up on the high hill uh, house. And they start, you know, the the wife has her shoes off in the car. They were like complaining about the smell of the family. It just feels very like. Like, oh, fuck these people. Like, they 
these people have like the best life that they could possibly live and they're still going to be like shitty to people. Yeah, see, that's it's interesting there, too, because they do seem very like kind and courteous for the majority of the movie. But then it's these like side comments that they make. Right. I, I think that, it you know, the movie touches on this as well with like the description. It's while the poor family is like all getting drunk in the house. Mm-hmm. They describe how like rich people are nice because they are like ironed out uh by being rich and it's like right the rich the the niceness that you feel from the rich family doesn't feel genuine at all like they're courteous and everything they're nice but it feels like it's out of a social like you have to act that way as opposed to any actual like fondness for the people right well um and you see that as well like in the way that they talk about them where like the dad, the rich dad is talking about the driver dad. I'm sorry, Tudor dad. Yeah, Tudor dad. Mr. Park, uh, right. respect, is talking about um, the driver dad, the driver lord. and um, <laughs> No, it's dad. <laughs> yeah, dri- drive master. Yeah, speed racer. And he's talking about how he like, he doesn't cross the line, you know, but he just almost does. Mm-hmm. But then he smells bad. And it feels very like, oh, the poor people are stinky. Like, even if he does his job good and everything, I don't like him because of this thing that I'm not going to tell him about, but I'll fire him because of it, possibly. Well, here's the thing. Some people smell bad. Oh, yeah. And I mean, to be fair, the poor dad does look smelly. He looks smelly. He looks like sweaty all the time. And the kid uh, points out, like... Oh, the housekeeper smells like the tutor and the tutor yeah. smells like the driver. They all smell the same. And he's the first one to notice that. Right. And then it's like, well, are we going to have to all use fucking different laundry detergent? But then it's that's about like the smell of their clothes. Mm-hmm. And then Tudor dad points out that it's like him. It's like the way the man smells. And yeah. it's described as like unwashed socks or musty basement smell. Yeah, or turnips, I think it is mentioned as well. Right, turnips, yeah. But it doesn't come up that the other people smell like that. So I definitely agree that, like, yes, in this case, it's like a class thing. Mm -hmm. And he's seeing them as less than, and he's saying that people that are, you know, on my level don't smell bad, more or less. Yeah, yeah. But also, some people just smell bad. Yeah, that's true. You know, we know some smelly people. We've actually brought... I believe in one episode I had to censor somebody's name out because we <laughs> we talked about how smelly they were. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we're the monsters, man. Well, were we on the same social class as them, though? Probably. Probably. Man, I don't. You know what? Probably not. Honestly. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this is not this is not interesting to anyone listening. I think it's important. Yeah, it's important to my point, you know. He's making fun of people who are on the, who are not on the same social class. We're making fun of people who are on the same social class. Yeah, we're punching forwards. If as long as you it's every attack you make is a lateral attack, you know, class-wise or, or up. up. Yep, or up. I said and it before good. I heard you say it. Uh then you're good. Like just don't punch down. Yeah. If you're punching up, that's that's fine. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, speaking of punching up, Elon Musk said this is his favorite movie, and that shit is bonkers. Why? Is it because he's because he's he's the problem. <laughs> like he's like literally the exact thing that this movie is criticizing. Oh, but yeah, but he probably doesn't fucking watch anything for allegory. He's like a robot like Mark Zuckerberg. So he just looks at something and takes it at face value and goes, that was entertaining. Yeah, true. Hello, please launch missile into space now. Thank you. <laughs> Kill Mars. Like he only has thoughts of 140 characters or less. Oh, wait, no, they've doubled it, haven't, haven't they? 260 characters <laughs> or less. Right, right. Like these people think in terms of fucking tweets and in terms of dollar amounts. <laughs> yeah, I, I see. I see where you're coming from. That movie was hashtag parasite. One hundred forty million dollars. <laughs> Be boop. Like Kill the amount. Poor yeah, the amount you like something. We we give something a milk rating, right? Rich people rate it on the amount of money that they think a thing is worth. Yeah, Elon Musk rates it on how many fucking, like, diamond mines his parents give him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's um, worth three whole diamond mines in, in wow. South Africa, South Central Africa, we'll say. <laughs> Are they big mi- diamond places there, or is it mostly the South? I don't know anything. I have no clue. I think it was actually emerald mines anyways, but I want to... Uh, I fucked it up. You know, speaking of classism and, like, stink... There's like that stink bug at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yes. And yes. I think that's interesting because then it like shows like the family that lives in the basement is still bigger than these bugs. Right. And like he's like, oh, this is a this is annoying to me. I'm going to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then that's mirrored by like I, I feel like it's almost supposed to be like anyone in a position of power is going to be shitty to those below it. Right. Yeah, that's true. I think that you got more kind of classist commentary out of this movie than I did. I think that that might have been partially because like I knew this movie as being a commentary on classism. Like that's what I was expecting going in. Okay. That's like how the movie was kind of introduced to me. And I've wanted to watch it ever since I heard that. But I just like haven't really gotten around to it yet. Right. I yeah, I didn't know anything about this at all. Yeah. Which is is cool. Yeah. I like that. I like when that happens. It's happening more and more. Yeah. Because I don't pay attention to anything. Well, and I like I like giving you stuff that I haven't seen either. So we're right. both like totally blind on this. Well, that's that's what this episode kind of is. I mean, you know, after our, our last call uh, when we did the Sisters Brothers, we stopped recording and you mentioned, you know, we it was very much like we got in, we did the review and we got out. And mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit different for this podcast, honestly. Like we usually joke around and but when it's something that that is so fresh that neither of us have experienced before, it's like we want to talk about exactly what the other person got out of it. And for yeah. this, like I definitely got a lot of that allegory um and a lot of those, you know, a lot of that commentary, but I didn't I I just didn't see everything that you are describing. Right, right. Not that I think you're wrong. Like, I think that you're right about all of these things. They just weren't things that stood out to me as examples of a lot of that. Like the stink bug thing was. Yeah, the stink bug thing was more of like an example of just the squalor kind of that they're living in. And right. The the fumigation right after that was it was similar. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not like. 
well, the fucking fumigation, like, man, it's called upon by the rich government to fucking keep, you know, as long as we poison all of our poor people, they'll all just fucking die because they'll leave their windows open. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I didn't right. like it. Yeah, yeah. Not I didn't see like every single thing as that part, that sort of a commentary. So I feel like you might be stretching it a little bit. So I would kind of agree. Like, I, I think the bug thing, like, you know, that could just be nothing. Right. But I will note that there is a quote from the director that I'm going to paraphrase where he's talking about how he thought he was making a movie that was specifically about like Korean classism. Right. But then when he saw like the response that it got worldwide, he realized that like this this movie is representative of the system that we all live under, which is capitalism. Right. So I I think that like any classist themes or like anti-capitalist themes that are present are very like intentional. Yeah. But yeah, there are little things like the stink bug or maybe weaponizing the scholar stone um, is maybe like a bit of a stretch, but I still think that they're, they're, they're possible that they were things that were thought of, but I'm also, I'm not quick to be like, Oh, that's what I read from this movie. So that's what this movie's about. Sure. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. That's good. Yeah. I want to talk about um, more, I guess, of the the plot and narrative devices that they use, kind of the tropes that they use outside of allegory and metaphor that are just sort of like storytelling devices more than, I guess, moral devices. Okay. So there were a lot of these like really commonly used mechanics like, you know, everything's fine and they're they're in the house enjoying themselves when the family's away camping and then suddenly there's a knock on the door. right or like the naive unsuspecting mother is like the character that's kind of the folly of the whole story like there's one person that's the linchpin for the whole plot being able to take place um right the rock as this like mysterious artifact trope uh and there was a lot of that like pretty stereotypical not stereotypical there's always a negative connotation associated with that word but like these archetypical archetypes of plot um development i guess in this yeah um that i noted as like that is a very obvious that that's what they're doing but it never made it feel boring or uh or poorly thought out you know it was always like it, it wore those tropes on its sleeve but it was in a very like honest new way yeah i would agree not sure i agree with the scholar stone as like a you know ancient relic a like the (laughs) the item of power because like it doesn't really serve that role in the story at all no it's more that like kevin's character just looks at it as sort of that and i think that that's very different like trope wise you know that's true but 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 that's kind of what i mean like it doesn't it's never identified as that in the film it's very much like a superstition that kevin has about it and true but I'd say the other tropes function as their tropes still. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, those were just kind of three examples that I thought, like, I have seen these in a lot of other movies. And yes, absolutely. They could be used in a lot less uh, original creative way. And so I think that, that this movie does that better. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I like how the idea, you know, the, the old housekeeper comes back mm-hmm. and they mention before i think it's a lot of the writing around these things that like makes them work so well where there's like 
a line early on about how like oh the housekeeper like she acts like it's her house sometimes she eats like enough for two people right uh it's all this like foreshadowing that really sets it up and makes it feel like it's a real part of the world as opposed to like this trope coming in and just being like hey guys i'm here in the plot now yeah yeah i see what you're saying yeah and it even um you know the housekeeper coming back for example and showing up at the door that has ramifications later where she's cut the uh the cctv that the camera that's supposed to like keep an eye on the uh the front of the house and that's why the poor dad can uh, make it into the basement oh right yeah because they say you know we thought that he got to the uh the alleyway he ran through the alleyways between some other houses and escaped but really yeah he just snuck back around yeah good point i didn't notice and that. it specifically has like a a shot of the back of the of the house from the perspective behind the camera uh so that you can see like the cords have been cut right uh during that montage where it kind of shows him getting into the basement yeah i'm uh i'm excited to talk about that ending um i don't know if you are ready for that yeah yeah okay yeah, I thought the ending with with the dad, you know, the fucking kid gets his head bashed in with the rock that he was going to kill Basement Lord with. And then yeah. Basement Lord comes out and stabs people. And then the dad, the driver dad stabs Tudor dad and everything goes to shit. Um, and driver dad escapes into the basement. I thought that it was going to be this, you know, it hinted at kind of this cyclical thing where the dad then becomes the madman in the basement and right. now now it's like well this a new a new a german family moves in upstairs and the, you know it's this high class f- foreign family now yeah. uh, that they managed to you know the real estate realtors managed to swindle into buying the house that somebody was you know horrifically murdered in and but you mentioned uh this scene at the end where kevin has like this dream of becoming successful yeah yeah and i saw it as he actually does become successful so I, I kind of had that thought, but I think that the whole purpose of cutting back to him writing about this idea of him becoming successful, like not ending on that shot of them like hugging their dad who had just come up from the basement finally, mm-hmm. I think instead ending on him sitting in their shitty apartment and writing this letter kind of like solidifies that that's not obtainable possibly. Okay, interesting. I saw it the other way around, actually. I saw the happy, okay. the kind of happy, or at least net neutral ending of like, it does resolve itself. He he makes it there and he saves his dad. Right. So it was kind of weird. We're like, I was expecting this cyclical thing of dad becoming the madman in the basement. But then when I saw this thing of the son, you know, what he was daydreaming about or writing about in his letter, basically, mm-hmm. I saw that it was not becoming that cyclical thing right right see yeah i think i almost read it the the exact opposite great where i could see it becoming a cyclical thing because i don't think kevin succeeds because i i don't get why it would be written in such a way where it like has that ending of them like hugging and everything which like honestly it ends on a good line to end the story on like yeah like I think the line is like, oh, we'll see you come up those stairs and like, you know, that it's a really good shot to end the movie on. And then it cuts back to him writing this letter to his dad. And 
that to me was the thing where it's like, okay, that was just a dream that he had. And like, he even puts the scholar stone like into the river, which to me is yeah. like, he's putting away the potential to become this person who is successful and everything because of his superstition with it. Yeah. Yeah. And the dad is probably going to just be stuck there and is going to become this like ghoulish character that this other dad had become. Right. Which is like really fucked up. It's good. I'm glad that we, that we, well, see, I, I guess I just chose to believe that ultimately it's, it's up to you as the viewer, because my first thought was what you're describing. I was like, that's how this is going to end. Right. But then it showed Kevin's dream sequence, you know, that he was that he was describing. So I I guess I just chose to believe the happier one here. I'd like for that to happen for them. I was just in a happy, a happy mood, I guess, when I watched this. Maybe not. Maybe I'm like, nope, you can never fucking pull yourself up. No matter what happens, you're stuck down there. You're born in the muck. You die in the muck. And in between, your father gets pushed down further into the muck. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's good to end on that note because it it puts more of the blame on the system as opposed to like the person being responsible for like pulling themselves up by the bootstraps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But like, ultimately, I think it is it's it's clearly ambiguous, which is good. I'm fine with an ambiguous ending because at least it feels final. Like it doesn't seem open. Right. It feels like there's a conclusion there, which is good. Yeah, it is a good ending. I found some issue with the idea of like the son just happened to go and like look at the house and everything. Yeah. Like I can get why he would go there maybe and why he's like, you know, he's like looking for his dad and whatever and has no clue where he could be. And maybe he's just bored and is like, hey, what's going on in that house that this weird thing happened right in? Yeah. But like. The idea that like he notices the light flickering that one time seems a little far fetched, but I think it feels far fetched in the same way that like the kind of folktale opening of the movie does and like a lot of the other things feel. Yeah, I agree with that. So I was like, I was fine with it. Yeah, I didn't really have that problem. I guess that was kind of a little bit of a question mark um, as to why. Yeah, why he would bother going back there anyway. But yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah, but I, I can see why he would. So is it good? Well, I'll go first, I suppose, since you gave me this. I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. You know, um, it was the it was the right balance between thriller, suspense, horror. Yeah. Uh, you did get a good sense of like why the characters are the way they are. And a lot of the, you know, the deeper you don't really learn anything about the way that the mother is. I think you learn a little. Okay. Sorry, wait, the poor mother or the rich mother? The poor mother. Yeah, I think the you don't get a whole lot. She's got like some personality, but you don't get to see a lot of it. You get the sense that like maybe there would be more interesting dialogue from her if she was more directly important to the plot. Yeah, she's very it, it's interesting because she doesn't seem to be very involved with her family. She's more involved the whole time with the the rich family obviously because she's playing that like she's the face of the whole operation more or less yeah but anyway i think that you got like a pretty good sense of who all of these people were as individuals certainly each of the members of the rich family you do 
at least to the extent where it matters. Like, I don't need to know more about the rich daughter. You know what I mean? Right. Like, she's a she's a student who is trying to study and also, like, explore her teenage, like, lust for older boys. That's fine. Yeah, and she's kind of a shit to her brother a little bit. A little but bit. But you don't see, like, you know, a ton of it. Yeah, classic sibling stuff. Um, Yeah, and so the use of a lot of these, you know, these plot devices in interesting ways was good. I think I'm going to do my uh, objective first today, just for fun. You know, All right. shake it up. I think I would give this movie... At like an eight. I don't want to go as high as an yeah. 8.5 for this. Um, a big thing for me was that lack of understanding about um, the social, the social contract, I guess the social relationship and right. understanding why you would take these people at their word. I think this is, this is an interesting parallel to the sisters brothers where like that got in the way for you. That's what you said. Right. Whereas like, it was not something I even considered really mm-hmm. um, as part of that whole sequence. And similarly with the sisters brothers, like I got really caught up on like, what is their shit with the Commodore? Like all this other stuff yeah. that's in that episode. And it really bugged me. Right. So it's, it's neat that you have in, in the partner episode to that one, we have the same situation in reverse. Yeah. So that, that lowers it a little bit for me, but that's just because, you know, if I was Korean, I'd, I would just get it. Yeah, yeah. So whatever, that's just... It's as not really like a, the, the fault of the creator in that way, I guess. No, that's just a North American audience. So yeah, I'm going to give it an eight objectively, and I'm going to give it a seven subjectively. Okay. Yeah, so I that would for me, that would be like a... Uh, it's like a coffee cream, like a full coffee cream, 18%, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's solid. Yeah. Well, it's still a liquid, dude. It's not that solid. <laughs> You can freeze it. Yeah, you can. Nah, don't, don't, don't freeze it, actually, because the fat will separate out from the. I used to. I did that one time. Bad idea. You'll get that weird milk water. Yeah, it's not good. Anyway, what about you? (laughs) I think uh, I think an eight is very apt. I think I mentioned like this kind of fits into a genre I really like of like almost what I would call like dreamlike realism. Right. But I don't think it's it's not my favorite version of that. Um, and it's not even like my favorite, uh, classist, uh, allegorical film either. Right. Right. What is, I think it's sorry to bother you. I, did you watch that? No. Okay, cool. Don't look up anything about it. Cause I'll give you that sometime. Cause it's very good. And I had thought that you'd seen it, but, uh, I guess I'm going to watch it like tonight so that you don't have time to get you fucker. (laughs) Okay. That's fine. (laughs) Guess what I'm fucking giving you at the end of this episode. Dipshit. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. That's for later. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, but I, I do think that this is like a really good, uh, you know, allegorical film for classism and just a good film on its own merits as well, like right. totally removed from its social context. I think it's like, it's not like my favorite genre of thing. Mm-hmm. Just like that suspense, like, oh my God, they're hiding under the tables and everything. Like, I think I got like a stress headache from watching this. See, I like that vibe. I do like it. I I appreciate it. Like, I'm like, oh, this movie is like amazing at creating tension. Like, I am just coiled like a spring. But like, I feel like I myself didn't enjoy being coiled like that. Right. Yeah. Or I didn't like the way it coiled me. Right. 
like a crooked but I, I liked it okay yeah so i think i think i'm gonna give it an 8.5 uh objectively all right and i think subjectively i'm gonna give it i think i'm gonna give it an eight i do think it's a really good movie i it just doesn't it, i think this is the thing i think it's very good but it, it nothing it's doing is like specifically my interests so it like doesn't have that appeal i just watch it and i'm like good movie yes yeah that's and sort of how i that's felt like as well, my feeling but, but that like for me that doesn't warrant an eight though right right that's i the- but i think it i think i enjoyed enough about it i do enjoy that it is sort of in that like dreamlike realism mm. zone mm-hmm. i like that's like the one thing that appeals to me enough to put it up to an eight Okay. Um, alongside it, just its general like level of quality, which is very high. So yeah, an eight point five objectively and an eight subjectively. Uh, so that's uh, that's like a brevet cream, like a heavy cream, I'd say. A little heavier. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right on. So what comes next? So what's Fuck. fucking next? Whoever fucking sings in these little interstitial things is like a weird. They sound like an elf. Yeah. So what comes next? <laughs> uh, you um, or me first? You go first. Okay. Now th- this is funny because I've talked to you about uh, the Adventure Zone. Yeah. And the oh, yeah. McElroys quite a bit, and I mentioned I was gonna give you a web series. And you actually immediately were like, oh, you're going to make me listen to all of Taz. Yeah, uh, the, that's the adventure zone. And I I we joked about that for a little bit, but it was ironic because I am giving you something with one of the McElroys in it. OK, I'm giving you a web series that Justin McElroy did with his friend Dwight Slappy called uh, Taste of Luxury. OK, and uh, I think you're. I think you'll either get a kick out of it or you'll hate it. So excellent. I'm excited to see Uh, for anyone who doesn't know Alphonse as well as I do, uh, even though I'm looking at his face, it's very easy to tell when he's smiling, when he speaks, you just, you hear the smile in your voice. And uh, yeah, I've noticed that while doing our edits. So he, he's got a great big grin on when he says this, which I love. I love when he says, I think you'll, I think you'll get a kick out of it. It's like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) So that's good. A web series. We haven't, we haven't reviewed a web series before on this. Yeah. I'm looking into like alternative types of media. I'm going to give you like a fucking section of the Louvre and you're going to have to fly to Paris soon. Well, fly me to Paris, buddy, during a pandemic. Um, yep. (laughs) I similarly am giving you a piece of media, a type of media that we have not yet reviewed. Ooh, spicy yes this is um i was also looking into you know alternative types i'm very excited because i think that this piece is going to spark a debate on um you know what kinds of things should be considered art Ooh. and i'm excited to have that discussion as part of the episode uh <laughs> but the the thing that i am giving you is a a little game a little game by the name of cosmic encounter Ooh. all right uh, this is this is a board game that uh, a tabletop game that Alphonse and I are both deeply, deeply familiar with. Deeply invested. We've played a uh, lot. Personality wise, socially. Yeah, we played a lot of Cosmic Encounter in our day. And uh, yeah, and I'm really excited to talk about it 
not in terms of yelling at each other across the table, just in terms yeah. of the game in itself. And yeah, you know, board games as art is an interesting conversation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So for and I'm, next... I'm so willing to get into that. Good. Yeah, absolutely. So for yeah. next week, next Sunday, we will do what yours was called. Taste of Luxury. You can find that on the McElroy Family YouTube channel. Taste of Luxury. And the week after, uh, for episode 17, part B, we will be reviewing Cosmic Encounter. If you folks have no idea what Cosmic Encounter is, uh, I encourage you to look it up. Um, You know, it's not a terribly cheap game, so it's not like I would say go buy it, but, you know, you can get it on Tabletop Sim, and also uh, Polygon on YouTube has a video of them playing a game of it, where they also describe the like game instructions and how it works. So if you want a rundown before you listen to our episode, uh, you could find one there. That would be, that's good. That's very important. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah. otherwise it'll just be like this fucking long drawn out thing about a, a weird board <laughs> game that nobody's ever heard of. So uh, yeah, is this art good? on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, please, oh, please, holy shit, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify, that same thing is called following, but it's all the same shit. It's the same metric. Yeah. Metric is a Canadian band, and also our unit of measurement. So tell us how you measure us. What is the metric by which you measure us? We use a milk scale, you use trash. It's trash, they're trash. They're garbage. <laughs> These two boys talk about art I don't care about, and they're very bad at it. If you uh, had any other thoughts about Parasite or the Sisters Brothers, please let us know, because I'm curious to see what other people thought. Did you think, wow, Devin, you're a big fucking idiot for not getting all of the little intricacies and nods to classism that Alphonse got with his big fucking brain? Or did you think, big Alphonse, you read too much into everything. Like, just fucking take something at face value for once, you piece of fucking shit. Never. Anyway, thanks very much, everyone. Yeah, bye.